G'day everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Australian Property Investment Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Christie-David, and each and every week I love bringing you uh, special guests uh, that I call best in breed, and today I'm going to be extremely biased because our guest, I feel, is best in breed in a lot of different areas in my life as well. It's my wife, Bernadette. Welcome back to the show. How you doing? Thank you, Aaron. Very happy to be here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, before we kick off, I want to reiterate that this uh, chat is general in nature and not intended to give advice. So if you didn't need advice, please just seek out a professional. The reason we've got Bernie back on the show is we're doing uh, a lot of uh, listeners actually reach out saying, hey, take us through your team and, and who's who behind the computers and the phones. So that's what we're doing, part of peeling back the layers on our team and getting to know who they are, what kind of makes them tick, but also what they get that really excited about and, and what they get a kick out of life on as well. So that's very much the nature of this episode. Uh, Bernie, how you doing? Really great. Thank you. Really happy to be here. We're, we're nearing the end of 2023. It's been a very big year. So yeah. Uh, yeah, looking forward to wrapping it up with a bang. Big year. What's been on your to done list for the year of 2023? To done list. It's, it's a great question. I, th- I think we spoke about it in one of our previous episodes about our commercial property purchase. That's yep. been a big one. Um, well, now had, we're going to like the fit out and the approval process the, and the whole shebang. Absolutely. So that that's taking up a lot of our headspace, but uh, you know, we're really looking forward to just um, how we can continue to improve the efficiencies of how we serve our clients, what what more we can offer for them, um, and additional support. So, just looking forward into twenty twenty four to see what that looks like. Very nice. Yeah. Perfect. I mentioned before, and we've done this with a few of our team, which is let's go back to the Bernie story. Uh, I'm not sure everyone kind of knows your grassroots story, but do you want to kind of cast your mind back? I'd say you're always destined to end up in a role that was numbers-based. You've kind of got an affinity for numbers, but people. So take us through kind of your your journey. for sure. So I suppose going back uh, to uni days, I I studied a Bachelor of Commerce from UOW and at the time had a, uh, picked up a major in accounting and was working as a cadet accountant. So uh, at at a local accounting firm down the coast. So always was working with numbers um, and really enjoyed the work, um, but really wanted to do more with people. So I uh, picked up a HR major and then also changed roles into a recruitment coordinator role. So jumped from numbers over really into the people mm. side and after graduation continued working in HR in, um, in into different corporates and really enjoyed those roles, um, learned so many great things. And then I think at that time we'd been on our honeymoon, so married. Um, so I moved to Sydney then, we got married, went on our honeymoon. And as we've shared before, that honeymoon sort of changed our life because mm-hmm. we really made the decision to go out and start the business. And and then from there seeing I was helping on the weekends, so working my corporate role, Monday to Friday, nine to five, coming in after hours to help with the business. Yeah. Uh, on the weekends, newlyweds were out at brunch. We were in the office working on a Sunday and I was thinking how we made the right decision. Fast forward seven years, we have, uh, but there definitely was a lot of sacrifice in those early days mm. and saw the business and saw that it was a combination of numbers of property of wealth creation and people. It was like everything that I loved all rolled into one. Mm. And and I knew I had to be a part of it. It was everything that I loved coming together. Um, so, so going back all the way back to uni days, this is how much of a numbers nerd I am. Um, on Saturdays, I would sit with my parents and do a 
a finance review of their week. Yeah. <laughs> so uh-huh. Saturday morning, I would sit with mum and dad in front of the computer, have a look through their bank account, set them up for budget. This is, and then this is how we then forecasted them to pay off their loan and, and gave them the, well, the framework. Yeah. And, and it worked, uh, which, you know, sort of takes me all the way back. That's how much I love numbers, reconciling them, getting everything to add up. Uh, and just the power, of, I think, of that goal setting and seeing that process. Mum and dad were, were really good with, you know, they worked really hard. They, they managed to pay all of their bills. But when we really set in place for them, okay, when do you want to have your, your home paid off by? And then we worked backwards how much extra they would need to pay off each week yeah, and yeah. each month. Like dad would he was old school, he would record that on a piece of paper and write it down. I mean, you can do it in Excel or Google Sheets document now, but it's so easy to go, hey, we want to pay off our, our mortgage off now, let's work backwards. So, yeah, that's it's that's my career and then it's a little bit about how that, that numbers story work. Yeah, nice. Works. And I guess when you cast your mind back to the accounting days, you probably saw a lot, you saw the good, the bad, the ugly, a bit like what we do when we look at people's portfolios, right? The good, the bad, the ugly, and those that were doing really well. So what were some of the the key milestones that businesses were doing that were exceptional? And what were some of the markers that businesses had that they were poor performing, do you think? Yeah, there's a few. And I think a lot of accountants can uh, attest to this. (laughs) They have clients like these. I mean, the ugly is when someone shows up to your office with a shoebox full of receipts mm. and they would, you know, ask you to code and, and, and reconcile all of those transactions. That's it's, it's disorganized and it, it just shows someone who hasn't embraced that technology. Yeah. And then the good businesses are those businesses that have um, set aside money for their tax, uh, their forward planning. Uh, they're looking to put money aside into a separate profit account so just, you know, proactive, not reacting, I think, mm. and, and like so many areas of our lives, when we're being proactive, when we're anticipating events, when we're setting up a vault account or an emergency account for, you know, those unexpected things in our business or our personal life, um, you know, those are, are the businesses that I saw succeed. Yeah. Is that what parallels you see? And people draw a lot of parallels between business ownership and then property investing and ownership there as well. What's some of the parallels that you draw from what you've seen then to what you see now? I mean, well, it's very similar. Like if I think about some of our, you know, successful clients who invest in property and I'm not talking um, one or two properties, these clients own seven, eight um, plus properties. Yeah. I mean, one of my most successful clients has, you know, over 15 properties. Um, what makes them successful is they're very clear about what they're looking to achieve. So for example, they know the passive income that they want to create. There's a number. Like they want whatever it is, 300,000 in passive income. So it's very clear to them about what they're they're working towards, number one. Um, They're incredibly hard workers and they're very diligent um, in, and that reflects in all facets of their life. Their, their, their work or their business, their approach to investing. Um, you know, they set really clear criteria about the properties that they're looking for, whether whether it be a yield or, or a cash flow return to them. Uh, and, and they don't buy a property unless it fits within that, within that 
sphere. Perfect. So for you, what's been over the last seven and a half years, what's been some of the, I want to start with memorable or highlights that you've had and then on the flip side, what's some of the big learnings that you've had as well? I'll probably preface this by saying your biggest learning was probably week one on the job. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> it was. So uh, week one on the job, uh, this is for all those couples out there that have worked or work with their their loved one, their um, husband, wife or, or partner. Uh, brand new to broking, yeah. uh, a client, client's loan documents come in. Uh, there was a big debacle. Loan documents have been issued a number of times and they signed the documents correctly, but they wrote the wrong account number on there. Yeah. So me as a rookie went, oh, it's all right. I'll do, I can just white out the account number and write in the correct account number. Yeah. Bom, bom. Bom, bom. That was not the correct action item to That's take. Right. White out is should never be seen in your loan documents. I was blasted. <laughs> By someone sitting next to me, and I think I I cried for an hour in the bathroom. Yeah, rightly. I mean, rightly so. It's blatant disregard. But yeah, it's. uh, Yeah, I think one thing we learnt was that we can't talk to each other. Yeah, if I was an employee, I probably couldn't. The filters are are different, I guess. But I've learnt. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, it's an interesting dynamic. I think there's there's people um, who say to me, how can you work with your spouse? Mm. How do you do that? They say, I never could work with my spouse. And and um, every couple is different. And I definitely would say that there are some couples that probably wouldn't work well together. Why has it worked well for us? I've often reflected on this is because there's probably two things. We share a common goal. So we're very clear about what we're looking to achieve mm-hmm. with our life. Having said that, though, there is there has been healthy friction in terms of how we want to grow or how we perceive oh, the next iteration. So, um, yeah, we're not painting a picture that it's all rosy here. This, we'll, we'll, we, I call it healthy friction. Yeah. I mean, no, no, I'm not, I'm not saying it's yeah. perfect by any means, but, but what has overridden that healthy friction or, or dis- just plain disagreements is a shared vision of what we're looking to create um, for, for exceptional customer service client service and helping our clients to build into generational wealth and build a legacy through property because we've seen what property can do and what what property does do mm-hmm. for families. So that's number one. And then number two is I think we've, for the most part, throughout our seven-year journey, really tried to differentiate who owns what in the business. Yeah. So like for a lot of people, you know, you would recognise Aaron as being the, the face of Atelier Wealth or, or you'd be more familiar po- possibly with him if you haven't spoken with me. Uh, and, and that's very deliberate. Aaron has a marketing degree. He has, uh, you know, he's got, he's got a really, he's got charisma, real charisma about him. I'm, I'm very operational focused. I'm, a, I'm, I'm about how do we improve things? How do we make things better? I'm about the numbers. So I'm not necessarily on camera as much, but that, that division of that responsibility has really helped us to flourish in, in our respective roles in the business. Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. And I guess, yeah, we've, we've taken the view that, you know, one captain goes out, you know, the cricket analogy, one captain goes out for the toss and sometimes that's, it's not easy because someone takes a back seat or someone takes a, a front front foot uh, role in the business, and yeah, I think we've we've learnt in terms of who owns what we call engine rooms is what we our, our coach kind of labels things inside the business. Who owns what what engine room, and therefore avoids stepping on each other's toes as well, and really helps with that ownership and accountability as well. So 
looking at the year that has been. I this is my this, favorite time of year. Absolutely. I mean, the Christmas carols are going for us. Uh, the house is decorated up Christmas tree. I love it. I mean, you need someone to take the lead from a Christmas spirit. So you definitely do that in spades. But one of the big things that you uh, shared with me and then that has in turn become a tradition with all our friends and family members as well is something that you like to call word of the year. Absolutely. Do you want to take listeners through what that means and what it entails as well? Absolutely. This is such a special time of year. Um, yes, the Christmas cheer is in the air, but but it's also special for me because it's a really powerful time to reflect on the year that's been, but also think about what is what does the next year ahead look like? So I think we started this about maybe 13 year, 12 or 13 years yeah, ago. Just long, yeah, it was not at long a, after we met. Not long after we met. So it would have been maybe 13 or 14 years ago. Um, it was at a New Year's with our friends and we went around the table and the question that I posed to everyone was, if you think about your year that's been, uh, what is one word you would use to describe it? And we've kept a record of every word of the year we've had since then. Yeah. So we can actually look back on on how we've described every year. And and it's a very powerful reflection and it it it. it forces you but it also enables you to go hey like what, what what were the high points what were the low points if I could encompass my whole year in one word you, you really want it to reflect the year in its entirety there's a couple of ways that you do the reflection so you look at your um, photos that's step one uh, look through your photos from first of Jan all the way through to now uh, and see all those moments. I mean, you're looking at the highlight reel there. You are. That is the highlight reel. The other option is also looking at your calendar. Yeah. So, so what occupied your time? Um, and and using some time to journal about it. And then as you see the themes that come up, feelings. Maybe if you have a journal, read back through your journal as well, and have a look and see what feelings come up for you for the year. There's been some years, like the year we got engaged, my word was love, you know, it was, you know, so magical. And, you know, there was the year um, uh, last year or the year before we had both girls in daycare and we were sick sort of every three to four weeks. Yeah, That was a very challenging year. Um, and, and, and my word probably wasn't as flattering for that year. Yeah, I guess most people are, listen, oh, people are listening going, how do you sum up 365 days in one word? Mm. And you, we probably get this, you know, a little bit of pushback sometimes going, you can't possibly label a whole year by one word and and it's more just around well, what did you want to take out of that year is kind of your it's the theme yeah, the main theme it's the main theme and, and uh, I would encourage everyone if they have the opportunity uh, maybe not now but maybe between the Christmas New Year period to take a little bit of time to reflect on the year that's been and come up with that word. We would love to hear your word if you'd you like go. to Let's share shoot it through, you, shoot it through. Shoot it through uh, if you got a uh, our podcast has an Instagram page, so if you're not following us on the Instagram, do it there. Drop us a DM, and you know what? I promise, if you shoot us a word of the year, I promise to get back to you. Absolutely, as well. yeah. we'll send through a video. Yeah, and then I think the the next important part of that is looking forward to the new year. So 2024. I'm not particularly fond of New Year's resolutions. What I am fond of, though, is, again, setting a word or a theme for the year that you're looking looking ahead. So what is that year? If you could change one thing about the year that's been, what would you like the next year to look like? Mm. And then what could that word be? So for this year, for me, I really wanted a little bit more consistency and I set my word as rhythm. Yep. 
So I wanted to get rhythm in my work life, with my children, uh, with exercise. And, and that's what I tried to base my decisions off this year about. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, and then I guess the the other part, the component that feeds off the back of that is something you've done, which I've taken a run with as well the last year as a vision board. Absolutely. This is this is the advanced step for the <laughs> yeah. listeners. So, And I know we've got a lot of high achievers out there, so I know that a lot of you are going to jump onto this if you haven't already. But word of the year, anyone, anyone can do that. But for our advanced listeners, this is for you. Uh, it really is about setting up a vision board for the year ahead. Um, if you think about your wheel of life, how many different categories do we have in our wheel of life, Aaron? Nine. Yep. Can, nine. can you take us through what yours so are? I've got uh, financially, a business, family, uh, family being my immediate one, uh, friendships and social, uh, new experiences, uh, say business, uh, health and well-being would be one. Spirituality is another one. Um, what was the other? I've got probably one or two more on there. Well-being. Let me try and find it. There's Absolutely. one or two more on there. Um, and so anyone, if you look up the wheel of holidays, yeah. Yeah. If you look up the wheel of life um, and just do a Google search, you'll see that there are sort of eight or nine key categories. So if you are getting stuck about what you want to put on your vision board, use that as a bit of a basis. And, and sort of uh, what I would do is take one or two photos that you could find and attach that to each sort of category. So if you think health and well-being, um, it might be that you're really looking to get really great sleep. Everything that I'm hearing about at the moment is the importance of sleep. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's, I want to get eight hours of sleep a night. Or maybe we just want our kids to not jump into the bed in the middle of the night so we can actually get a good night's sleep. That's, yeah, yeah. Put that on the vision board. 100%, 100%. Parents out there, they're saying, preach, preach. Um, and then maybe it's, I would just want to get to the gym three times a week. So then they would be the two images you'd put on the vision board. And then next one might be business or work. So maybe two things you're wanting to achieve there and put an image on the vision board. Now, the beauty of this is you can print it out and put it on your bathroom wall and you, on your mirror and you're faced with it every single day. And what I love about that is it's really bringing into your everyday life that that visual manifestation of that, that creation of the desire that you're wanting to build and you'll be amazed at how many things that you can start to tick off your list once you see um, this. I can't, uh, I'm going to speak from experience here and say that this, if I look back at my vision board at the start of the year to where it is today, I am blown away by how much is on there. Say, for example, I had a start of the year, want to get into kickboxing or get back into it. Uh, did a two and a half week Muay Thai camp, for example. Uh, I wanted to do a Spartan race, a bit like a Tough Mudder. That was on the vision board. That got done. Uh, there was buying a property on there, bought our commercial property. That was uh, that was achieved. I had a money savings target on there. I think with the seller property, we've got uh, we've got the cash there, which is kind of equivalent to our savings target. Um, eating, there was a diet plan that I want to follow. That was on there as well. Um, holidays, we put the holidays. So I had a holiday in Chiang Mai. Uh, wanted to write a book, and for those that are listening and following, that have heard that I'm releasing a book. That book got written this year as well. Um, the holidays we took as a family, that was all on list as well. Uh, so yeah, if you if you were for a second doubting, and I was definitely a doubter going, this sounds like woo-woo, for example, let me just tell you, um, and there's some really great studies that come out talking about the power of importance of goal setting, writing it. So writing it increases it to a whole new level, the ability to achieve that goal. 
saying it to someone else and the right people that you talk to rather than dream killers, you find enablers and, and people that support you, verbalizing it pushes it even up higher because then you start to put it out there to the universe as well and, and actually articulate what you want to achieve and why you want to achieve it. So it's like this stacking on top to go, how do I get achievement to what I want? How do I get accountable to what I want to achieve as well? And who can help me then drive me forward on what I'm looking to achieve? A vision board is like a tangible, rather than being in your head and we negotiate with ourselves on why we can't do it, why we can't go to the gym three times a week or why we go to bed late because we're on our phone scrolling, for example. It's like, no, no, you've made a commitment to yourself. Don't negotiate with yourself. And and that's and seeing it, I've got my vision board on my desktop, on my computer. Uh, I've got my vision board printed out on my desk at work as well. So it's on my desktop and my desktop literally. And then it's on the bathroom wall and the kids have seen it and they ask me about it all the time as well. Absolutely. And I think final point with that vision board as well is how do you make it as specific as possible? So that goal. So the more specificity you can put towards that goal, the more real it becomes. And then also how do you attach emotion to this goal? When you can feel it in your heart, in your body, what it would feel like for you to achieve that thing, oh, it unlocks things within you. And we've spoken about this, about your mind being and your your body being an antenna. Yeah. So, you know, like an antenna for a TV, you tune it in, you tune it out. Are you tuning in your mind to the things that you actually want to achieve and taking that emotion and thinking about what that feeling would be like or if I bought that next property, if I went on that holiday with my family, if I had that savings vault Mm. tucked away, um, the pride you feel, the love, the joy, um, you know, imagine you're on that holiday with your kids and and you're sliding down the water slide and they're laughing with glee and the sun's out and you just... You're eating that chocolate chip ice cream. Yeah, like you be specific, you surround yourself with it and then you bring the emotion to the goal and then you put all your blood, sweat and tears behind making it happen. It will happen. Mm. It's just a matter of time. I love it. It's. I mean, you talk about the... You put it out there, it's a bit like an antenna, for example. I mean, the next real way you look at it is the algorithms that you're being fed. I mean, I look at it going, I've really changed the YouTube videos that I try to tune into. And one of the great videos that I watched recently is the power of positive thinking. And it's like a three hour video that I just kind of watch when I can. And like that then in turn attracts more videos, for example. So my YouTube feed is far more better than what it was probably six or 12 months ago, for example. And again, it's just the information that you're feeding yourself. And the other part to think about is if you're coming into this time of year, um, great, we'd love you to listen to the podcast, but even better if you just took some time off and did a, did a small digital detox. And there's a great book called Stolen Focus, uh, Johan something. Stolen Focus is such a great book. Literally buy the, buy the paperback version, for example. Read it. Find a way to switch off from devices because this is the ultimate time to be offline, for example. And then work on yourself. Work on what do I want to achieve. Um, and then that's that whole, that whole phrase people underestimate what they can achieve in a decade and overestimate what they can achieve in a year. So if you're looking at your vision board, you're doing your planning for 2024, let's be real, it's 365 days. 
what can you do that's going to get you closer to those actions in 365 days rather than maybe overshooting the mark and then those classic new news resolutions that fall by the wayside come the first of February. It's there's got to be that that sustained success. There's got to be that consistency. For example, it's like bite-sized chunks. How do you just move forward day by day and get better every day? And that again, another great book that we've spoken about and done a giveaway with our clients is Atomic Habits. Like that one percent, one percent, one percent. That compound effect and that return over one percent is going to be astronomical by the time you get to the. 31st of December, 2024. So Bernie, I want to say thank you very much. I know this is uh, left of center um, as an investor, but I guarantee you, if you look back and listen, or if you listen back to episodes that I'm talking about, Victor Kumar, for example, Manzarul Khan, uh, there's other clients, or John my memory, I'll try and put them into the, into the notes as well. But when I've asked them about building large portfolios or how they've done it, one of the biggest expenses and investments they made was into self-development and self-improvement. That's where the game was won. It was won between the ears and it was this ability to believe that they were able to do it and they were capable of doing it as well. And that's one thing that I, I feel like Bernie's become a secret weapon in my life, which is the sense that whatever you put your mind to it, you can achieve it. And if you think you can buy that next investment property, you're going to find out professionals that get you closer to a yes. And that is if we can get you thinking that way and thinking bigger about your future, and it's mission accomplished here at the Australian Property Investment Podcast. Thanks for joining us, Bernie. Thank you, everyone. Appreciate it. If you found this helpful, we'd love feedback. And again, we're going to talk about word of the year. Drop us an Instagram message. Please, we'd want to hear from you. And uh, if this uh, episode has resonated with you, share it with a friend or a family member as well and get them to come on the journey with you. And we'd love your feedback if, uh, if this has been helpful. So that's a wrap for another episode of the Australian Property Investment Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.